I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We have a fantastic episode for you tonight. Dub's bachelor party in Pinehurst, North Carolina, house right on the lake, around the tobacco road, nine holes at the cradle in the pouring rain when there were no tea times left on the tea sheet. What a weekend. Make sure to stay tuned to hear all of our favorite stories from this past weekend. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, the boys are back and hot and getting better after Dub's bachelor party. A wonderful weekend down in Pinehurst, as expected. We played some incredible golf courses. We got to uh, taste the local fare. Lots of beers were drank. Lots of fun was had. Send Dub off in the right fashion for his destination wedding next year. Let's talk about the first course we played. We kicked things off at Legacy Golf Links in Aberdeen, which is maybe 15 minutes south of Pinehurst. It's a course I played in college a lot. A course I enjoy, but I want to hear you guys' comments and uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. First things first, why was the grill closed? That's the big problem that, that we was, had right away. That was a big issue. We hadn't eaten in days, it felt like, when we got there. We got there like 2.30, and they're like, oh, we just closed. You look uh, at the trash can, you see how many other people enjoyed a nice <laughs> hot dog. There's like a half-eaten like chicken sandwich, and it's like, God damn it, they just fucking closed. There's like that look you give them, like, are you really closed? And they could be like... Uh, we'll, can, we'll, we'll whoop you up a couple hot dogs. They're like, nope, we're closed. Yeah, just throw me a dog in the microwave real quick. That's all I need. <laughs> Transfusions on tap, tap, though. That was a nice touch. Yeah, Interesting. The, is, I, I didn't really like them that much. They had a little too much, what, ginger, ginger. or whatever that was? I, yeah, I, see, I like me some ginger, so I, I definitely uh, appreciated those quite but a bit. I liked the efficiency of having yeah. them on tap, just ready to rock it's and like, roll kind picture. of thing. But, I mean, they weren't they weren't my favorite. I, I appreciate that they wasn't just the uh, the Barstool Owens one, though. Because that one just, right. it's very, you know, middle tier. I, I like that they tried something special. Tried a little something unique. I think a transfusion that has a very distinct taste is better than one that just is sweet. And that's the, sometimes the Owens mixer just tastes sweet. It doesn't taste like a flavor. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of ginger, so I like those. But I can see why maybe someone wouldn't. Yeah, and then the other thing before we get to the golf too, and and what's going to kind of be a recurring theme here is talking about Bradshaw and his um, decision making during the weekend. So had to drop his car off, which was basically blown up, and then Ubered to the course. Well, he Ubered to a did he Uber to the course? Well, he attempted yeah, he he thought he was Ubering to the course. Goes to a clubhouse right nearby for the HOA community, (laughs) and then I have to drive like ten minutes like a half mile, which took 10 minutes to go get him. And so, you know, y'all are sitting there waiting to tee off probably an extra 25, 30 minutes. But My transfusion was gone by the time. We yeah, it was, it was a little too much gone, around. but also that was the first time I've ever seen somebody lose a golf ball. On we a found it. Green. We found <laughs> it. I had to help Tully for five minutes try to find his golf ball. And Twice. Across the green. Twice. 
But I think I'd love to have been a fly on the wall trying for you and Bradshaw trying to find each other because I know neither of you were like going to share your location. So he's trying to describe to you where he is and you're and he's like, yeah, it's this square building. It's kind of red, white roof. I kind of see a golf course. I mean, this guy could be like 20 miles away and we don't know at that point, but you found him pretty quickly. I, I think he was trying to navigate like the explorers, like follow the stars in the sky because he just started walking in one direction, <laughs> having no idea if that Little was dipper, the right way or dipper. if I was even going to drive by him. So I had to drive way past where he said he was because <laughs> he started walking in the wrong direction. And long story short, we could have just caught up with you guys on like the second tee because that's yeah. essentially right where you were. <laughs> he was about 500 yards away the whole yeah. time. But yeah, give me your guys' thoughts on the golf course. Uh, we played the, the blue tees, so one tee up from the back. The greens were a little sandy. I think they probably had aerated recently. Um, but I don't know. I got the same old tired story. I love that course. I think it's pretty challenging off the tee, but it's not impossible. Uh, everything up by the greens, kind of what it is, and because uh, it's got a lot of pretty holes. Yeah, I really enjoyed the course. You know, I definitely thought it was great value, especially for in that area. And I mean, yeah, the greens were a little sandy, but they rolled pure. Like it was, they rolled very, you know consistent didn't it wasn't really bumpy or anything if anything it just made them maybe roll a little straighter than what you thought That's they so would i could not figure that out it's like i'd read something breaking eight inches and it might move one yeah but it, but it would but at least it was rolling like just straight it wasn't like hitting a random bounce and it just didn't make any sense how it ended up there it was just oh you didn't didn't play as much break uh i thought the holes were unique so it was, it was a good time it was a good uh warm-up round for sure yeah for 69 bucks i mean down south it's kind of interesting you have like two completely separate tiers like that's probably actually more of the, that's kind of, 69 is kind of expensive for the category that Legacy falls in of like kind of that, that normal Muni. And then the next tier is obviously like the big boys that are like $200 plus. But all in all, I think Legacy is great value. Lots of water holes. I mean, was it Bones didn't lose a ball on the front nine? This kid, first of all, his game's completely transformed. And I don't know how that's possible. I do believe that it won't continue. However, <laughs> did not lose a ball on the whole entire front nine. I mean, that, what a feat. I mean, we played, you know, two or three water holes. Pretty cool. And it was it was a tight course too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like wide open, and and that's one of the things I really liked is like, you know, it was very playable, but at the same time offered enough challenge that you weren't just out there like pounding driver two fairways over and playing off wherever you wanted and and having shots into the green. I think I f- I feel like I hit like five or six like punch outs during yep. the day, like just missing drives. I mean, we can't let Kevin fool you. He did play Bradshaw's ball in, like, the second hole. <laughs> yeah, that was so, so funny. I don't know if he was playing that well because he didn't know where his ball was ending up. So I don't want to give him too much credit. <laughs> Part of me thinks Kevin would, is convinced that he would have had a better score on that hole if he played his own ball. So that's The one bad. that was under the tree <laughs> exactly. that we couldn't find when we drove right past. always that an excuse. The, uh, that's the classic, and I think Bradshaw even did this the next day, of, like, oh, I found my ball. Well, no, actually, this one is truly my ball. I, I was mistaken. And <laughs> Don't you get fucking get a started. Lie. Ken, Ken has the... <laughs> oh, my God. Ken did the worst example of that I've ever seen. We'll get to that during the tobacco <laughs> road piece, though. Now, I don't want to continue to shit on Bradshaw here, but I was very concerned watching his first swing on that. <laughs> it, and the second. And the second, yeah. I mean, it was. I've never played with him or anything. He is lined up directly at a tree that's maybe 20 yards in front of him swings as hard as he can and just tops it right into the water in front of him and then proceeds to do that exact same lineup and then skips it off the water yeah. and somehow gets in the fairway. I was worried about how, you know, this course and then Tobacco Road later on was going to treat him, but he, he definitely righted the ship a little bit. Yeah, I think he had a lot on his mind at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, he was, was kind of rushing and he's like, oh, I'm not used to coming out of the car like this cold teeing off. And I'm like, well, none of us hit range balls or anything. So it's not like we're in a different boat, but... 
I'll give Bradshaw credit. I think he's a decent golfer. Now, I would not consider him a steel trap. So I think a lot of things get in and they kind of nestle their way in and expand. But I think, uh, you know, time and time, I kind of, I'll see Bradshaw hit a random shot. And I'm like, and that guy could probably be like a single digit handicap if, you know. Yeah. And I think he has a plan to get there, yep. if, if I've heard correctly. Lose a couple pounds and I think he'll get there. That's, those are his words, not mine. <laughs> Coming couple, from someone who could also yeah, lose a couple, couple of pounds. Hamburgers <laughs> <will be right. laughs> All right, yeah, so like we said, Legacy, a great warm-up for the Friday round, the one we were looking forward to pretty much. The whole reason we did this trip, the whole reason Dub wanted to go down to Pinehurst, the infamous, the one, the only, Tobacco Road. 20 minutes away from Pinehurst, a pretty easy trip, kind of off the main strip. When you pull up, there's not a huge sign. It's a nice sign, but we could almost pass it if you don't know exactly where you're going. You get about 100 yards onto the property, you start seeing some of these holes that you know you're going to play. And boy, the dunes are big. The undulations look crazy. There's water. There's plenty of tee boxes. What an experience. I mean, I'm, I had a lot of expectations going into this course. I had heard dozens of people talk about it with lots of different things to say. Most importantly, someone told me, leave your scorecard in the bag. It's not even worth it. Just go out and enjoy the course. I had heard people Brown. talk about how hard the greens are, how iconic the tee shots are. I think every single one of those things was true. That course if you get in the wrong spots, it is deadly. Yeah, I can attest to that. I was in a lot of wrong spots. I can I can say there's at least 18 bunkers on that course because I was in at least one a hole. <laughs> so I think all in all, I will say that I believe the course is, is, is one of the best courses I've ever played. I thought the, the greens were so pure. The layout was so fun. Tons of risk-reward. Everything about it was awesome. The price tag, although a little hefty, I think is 100% worth it, and I didn't feel like I overpaid a penny. Well, and, and quite a contrast to some of the other, like, expensive courses you're going to play. Like you said, you pull up, and it's a very unassuming clubhouse. You know, it's almost like a rustic old building. The prices in the, the pro shop or the, the snack bar were very reasonable, too. Like yeah, you get a, a double for $2 double more. for $16. You know, that's very affordable and, and makes it much more enjoyable once you're getting there already paying a pretty hefty price tag for the round of golf. Before we get away from the uh, snack bar, did anyone try the b- spicy pimento hot dog thing? Anyone get a chance? I think Bradshaw had oh, one I or had 12 one. of them. I had one of those. They what was there. the review? It was very good, very solid. It had a little bit of a kick to it, not oh, too much. but Good it, going it, it in. Good. And <laughs> not too bad coming out, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> you said it. That's probably what... I was looking forward to, I mean, the golf. But, like, when I saw they had pimento cheese hot dogs and then me and Colin found out we could order it through the cart or me and Ken figured out we could order it through the cart and we just added it to the cart and then it goes to Miller Lights and we switch over to Miller Lights. We're like, yeah, I mean, having be able to order lunch from your cart and then just hitting checkout and submit and you get in and it's all there. It sounds simple, but I've never seen that possible on a course before. I've seen, like, It's always, like, call ahead or Call ahead, but be able to do it right from the cart, that was pretty awesome. I wish I had realized that because Bones took the last hot dog when we got to the turn. Then I just had to get a banana nut muffin that I thought was a blueberry. I knew I shouldn't have got six hot dogs. It was very disappointing. We were ahead of you. (laughs) Wait, we got hot dogs. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice coming in. They were just putting them on kind of thing. I was like, oh, let's get it. I'll take a cold pimento cheese hot dog. (laughs) But going back to the course, I, I couldn't agree overall. Like it was an amazing experience. I felt like it was more than worth the money. Like, you know, if you look at some of the other, like, iconic courses down there, you're paying at least double that Probably if, double, if yeah. you're going to play that. Plus, you'd have to do the whole caddy thing and a lot of those. So, I mean, it it met every one of my expectations and then some. Um, like, I, I feel like it 
it challenges you, but it's almost more like challenges you like visually than mm-hmm. it does the golf itself. Like it, you just kind of have to hit to where you almost feel like you're not supposed to. Cause like where the trouble is, you just got to carry it. And a lot of them aren't that aggressive force carry. So if you're hitting it relatively straight, it felt very relatively gettable. Yeah. yeah. Kind of easy. Yeah. Speaking of hitting it where you're not supposed to, Colin had a pretty good adventure on one hole where we were kind of in the tree line and hitting his third shot, I believe into the hole maybe trying to save par if he stuck it close. And Colin and I were lining it up. We're looking over the mound thinking, where where should we aim this thing? And we, we agreed on our aim point. And Colin hits the most pure, what was it, it was eight beautiful. iron? Eight uh, iron. It, it was beautiful. Colin club twirled, I'm high-fiving in the cart. <laughs> and then we look over at our playing partners. They're all Yeah, they're sitting there in the fairway looking at us. We're, they're, we're kind of relying on them to tell us when the green's clear. And eventually we get the thumbs up. And we I hit this And then it goes, thumbs down. I literally went, oh, baby. <laughs> and Tyler's looking at me like, that's going to be real good. And we look over and they... I was like, "Where is that one good? Is it on the green?" And Ben and Ben and Ken are like, "Oh, you're about in. You're in the fairway. Is that where you're aiming? You're about seventy yards from the hole." <laughs> I mean, Colin, a perfect Colin shot. I could not have been more sure that we had a great line. A perfect shot, and not in a bad place whatsoever. Actually, the correct side of the hole to miss it on well, on that hole, not it, where the pin was. His approach to the from there was a little rough. I mean, that chip was pretty shit. I don't, the pin <laughs> position was tough, but that was a pretty shitty pitch. Well, I did pitch it twice once onto the green and then once off of the, the green. second pitch worked out well the first one was just a little a little heavy but just a just a good example of like when you hit it you know there's plenty of places to miss on that course it's not ridiculously hard but you know when you see your ball headed where it's not supposed to go that's when you know you're screwed right you gotta have you have an aiming point and you have a place you can't miss it and it's very unforgiving when you hit it in the wrong places i was really shocked with how every basically every single hole especially on the back nine was like really unique mm-hmm. like in a in a really interesting kind of fun way almost like a little overboard at times of like what in the world is this hole doing but like i i can remember kind of prepping for this watching some videos and it's like oh you have the first tee shot and then maybe a couple other holes i didn't realize it was every single hole is just off the wall how in the world does somebody picture this and and design a course this way yeah it was really fun because you, there was, I think it was a hole two for you. Like you kept going back and forth to the GPS that's in the cart, and you just couldn't figure out where I, it was. I truly had no idea where it was. <laughs> well, and well, it's, it's hold from, on. The starter drew a diagram for us. Told us <laughs> exactly where to hit. It. Pulled his phone out. We and spent said, twenty minutes telling him, him see telling this us big mound. Aim left of it. I didn't. I hit the fairway dead in the middle. I'm saying Dub couldn't figure it out. <laughs> hey, I never saw the picture that the uh, starter took for us. That he took ten minutes taking of us. What, what was the uh, quality of that? Yeah, um, high quality picture, low quality cameraman work. However, I will send to the group and, and we'll make a post. But it's just like we're either completely blocking the hole or the second picture where you can see the hills, it's like three feet off center. So I don't know. Just, just a low quality picture. Uh, but yeah, and going back to like the GPS, it, those GPSs are almost useless in a sense because they don't show the mounds. Like you can't, it's just like a 2D image. And it made it really hard like to when it was a blind shot to actually tell anything about what, where it was, which made it fun. But it really did seem like it was where you couldn't see. It was felt like where is where you're supposed to hit. I like your comment about every hole being unique. I didn't realize that was going to be the case. I kind of thought like aspects of the course were going to be unique, like large mounds and huge undulating greens. But I think long story short is like every hole was so unique. And I think even when you walked up to a tee shot for a hole that didn't look that impressive, uh, like number seven, 
for example, for me, you just finished a really cool, iconic par three in my mind that has this expansive bunker in the front, a thousand different tee boxes they could play the hole from. You get up to this next par four, and it kind of just looks like this really routine average downhill par four. You're not going to see where your ball lands. And then you crest the hill, and there are like these three large waves in the fairway with a green that has a funnel pinned to the left that's probably 10 feet higher in the back than it is. going down the hill. Right. And then, you know, you finish out that front nine with seven. It's a really solid par three. And I think nine, nine's got to be one of the prettiest holes I've ever seen. I mean, it's... Nine was a wild. It is. It's a hard hole. It's not ridiculously hard. Like, it plays, you know, it's a little over 400 yard par four with a relatively tight tee shot, relatively tight second well, shot. Quarter, this is the hardest hole on the course. I think it is. We we almost lost Tully there. <laughs> he Hanging off the edge of a cliff. truly fell off a cliff, that hole. <laughs> but instead, I almost darted it and made the putt. It was great. Uh, the, the hole for me that really stands out and that I probably have the best memories of is 11. Did you birdie 11? I should have. I, no. I just figured he birdied it. That's why he loved five, it. Um, perfect drive and can't birdie. But anyway, so that's the hole with... I almost call it a quarry, like yeah. the whole right side. And I luckily was out in the fairway, so I got to watch all three of my playing <laughs> partners like really battle the uh, battle the beast there. Down and in the so, mines. So Tully drove in there and then proceeded to hit four shots just kind of plodding along. And then three, three the, shots right up against that wall at the very yeah, end. It so was he just wanted to see as much of that as he could and yeah. then hits the pin like, Sits a foot from the hole and has an easy bogey. Elite bogey. Four shots out of that, you know, 500-yard bunker. Is that the same hole that you called me a fool on for trying to get on two with my three wood? It was. Came up like a yard hole. No, no, no. That wasn't me. I think that was Bradshaw that screamed fool. Bradshaw. It wasn't me. I have a whole new perspective. I was just excited. I was excited to watch... What, I'm sure it was your hear your experience getting out of that exact same spot, kind of where I was. You, you know, I uh, was literally like a foot from this little wall that was like three feet tall that I had to get over. And oh, you it, weren't but, in front of the same wall I was. But, but it was about a 20-foot drop if I stepped over the edge. And Ken, the kind soul that he is, sees me in trouble as I shimmy over to my ball and get there comfortably. But Ken goes... Makes a whole scene of, oh, Tyler, let me come over and help you. Here's my club in case you need to get out. Kind of runs over and like slides in, but he overslid trying to come in and almost fell down 25 feet into this pit as well. <laughs> the night almost, yeah, the damsel was fine, but the night almost lost his life. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, there was a little, a little path for me to get to my ball, but it was like a two foot wide little path, and I was shimmying over there to try to hit it. I probably should have just left it and chip because I played it right off that wall and then went into the sand 20 feet down that I had to ah, hook that, it all the way down. That's what I'm talking about. And then probably sculled it over again and just picked up and took a triple. But <laughs> that happened a couple of times. Yeah, that hole was definitely cool. It was a, it was fun to see the way it's supposed to be played and then the, the completely wrong way to play it. And we were really excited. We are on then hole 12 looking back watching them. And you see Tyler go there. You see Ken just nuke whatever club he did onto the next hole. He's like on our tee box kind of thing. It was That was a that was a. And then you see one. Colin, of course, hit, pull out a short yeah. iron and yeah. lay up. Colin laid know. up three different times on that hole. <laughs> I will say, like, talking about how each hole was unique, it gave you, not only was it unique in how it was laid out, but it gave you options of, of which, which shots to hit, like, you just said, I'm always <clears throat> taking the, the way, the, as Ken says, the shot link approach, where you're supposed to hit it. I laid up on pretty Oh, much I can just lay up. Oh. <laughs> laid up on every par five. I was on the drivable par fours. I was just hitting iron out there to 100 yards out. But, like, you certainly didn't have to do that. I'm pretty sure I was the only one on number <laughs> five, I think it was, that didn't try to 
drive it up up to close to the green. It was probably like a 260-yard hole with that huge false front. But, Con- um, Colin laid up, but he's also only one of two in the group that made a par. So, <laughs> Or I guess he probably made the only par in the group. Yeah, so suck it. <laughs> what a loser. I think that when I first got off that course, I kind of thought to myself, that back nine's a little too quirky. It's just like a little too, I don't know. Everything felt kind of short and drivable. But then when I start to look back at it, like the fairways were very wide and easy to hit if you wanted to lay up. You could just take your 200 yards off the tee and take your wedge to, you know, nine iron kind of in. But if you really wanted to take on the green, it wasn't so much like impossible either. You could end up losing your ball in some taller grass. Not the kind of grass that you always lose the ball, but you could. So it wasn't incredibly like unforgiving, but you know, you had to hit some good shots. Yeah, it it felt like a course that it's like, you can play it your shot link way, like the, you know, this is where you're meant to play it. But it also gave you those opportunities. Like if you're chasing a score and you want to play that little risk reward, which I like having that opportunity, you kind of can, you know, feel how your game's playing. You can go for something, you know, dummy low relative or, you know, whatever it was. And that's kind of what I loved about it. And I think most people that probably go there will lean that way of, well, I'm, I'm here. I just paid, you know, whatever price to play here. Why not try to, you know, hit a hero shot, have that fun story. And it gives you all of those opportunities. It was a long weekend for us, per se, uh, with the deletion our deletion rate of Miller Lights. However, that feels like a course that most people can't wait to play a second time because you're just like, this hole's actually so freaking easy if you just hit it this way versus this way. And you think about all the dumb mistakes Wasn't you made. Wasn't the group behind you guys replaying? Yeah, right? I think that they do that a lot. But like Tyler talked about, the hole number 11, that bar five. Now we all know not to go right ever on that hole. You can go as far left as you want. Just stay out of that big old bunker and you'll be fine, right? It's a normal par five. It's just a three-shot hole if you stay out of that bunker. But when you get down there, you're really playing with the devil. You could get out, but it's going to take a pretty good shot. Yeah, that that next par five too. I forget what hole that is. Probably 13, 14, maybe something like that. Where you have like, I mean, it's a true three-shotter unless you're going to take it over the trees. But your approach shot, you have this tiny window into the green, and then you have these huge mounds. The flag stands about 20 feet tall because that's the only way you can see it. And then you got the the uh, machinery or whatever in the world mm-hmm. that would be in the background. And quite the backdrop is you're trying to, like, place this wedge, like, perfectly over the mounds. Down oh, that's the road the hole, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I think that was my favorite hole just because it kind of had that iconic – Backdrop because you actually have the little ah, that goddamn it's my favorite hole. It can't be your favorite hole. <laughs> I gotta pick a new one. one. It's also my favorite. I gotta <laughs> pick a new one. But it is because, anyways, it has that like tobacco road sign in the back. That one you can you know you can drive right True. by kind of thing. It just has all of that and shows off kind of that quirkiness of the course. It kind of gives you a little bit of everything. And plus, as a par five, you know it feels like one that was definitely scorable. Like. It, it gave you everything you want in a par five, in my opinion. The experience that I liked about that hole was the huge hill behind the green. You talk about the mounds in front that kind of block your view, but the huge hill behind actually hit a six, about 60-yard <laughs> shot in that went over 75. the green and hit up into the tall stuff and just trickled down and rolled the whole way down pat, right past the pin. I had like a 10-foot putt for birdie, but I probably on any other course would have been 30-yard chip for <laughs> birdie. The only problem with that hole was the ranger coming out to chirp at us, telling us to speed up. Well, you were playing slow. Well, we got to the next green as usual, (laughs) and then we were in the tee box, and we're waiting for 10 minutes on the group in front of us. You sure about that? I'm sure about that. Uh, That was the only downside, but otherwise, best hole. Ken's going to hit his second shot on that hole, and the ranger goes, all right, they're gone. Go ahead. And Ken looks at me like, 
that motherfucker just, he's like, I want to kick his ass. Ken, and then Ken proceeds to say, I just paid $250 for a player. You can't tell me to hurry up. <laughs> that was the begin, beginning of the end for Ken. Oh, poor guy. Oh, Looking back on it, he was definitely just a little upset because his round was hitting sideways. Yeah. Ken, do you care to comment? <laughs> oh, Ken's not here again. Oh. Yeah, Ken's mute right now. <laughs> Ken, we can't get Ken unmuted. He's here, though. <laughs> Other favorite holes? Looking back, I think that, I don't know if I've said it. I mean, I've said it before, but not here. That, number six, that par three, I think it only played like 130 yards for us, but I kid you not when I say there's probably 50 different positions they could put those tees in and mix them up. There's pretty much on a clock, I would say, you know, six to 12, like almost half the side of the par three is tee boxes. It can go probably from 130 to 190. And by changing the angle of the tee box, the green itself is so thin and angled that it completely changes the dynamic of the hole. There's bunkers that you can go in from the tees we played, and then there's bunkers that you just can't go in if the pin's in a different place playing from a different angle. Also, what was in the middle of that part three? It was like a like a junk castle looking thing. And Ken was <laughs> yeah. saying that there was some little gopher in there. And when Tyler ch- like Tyler like chunked a, yeah, Tyler chunked a chip shot and Ken goes, <laughs> It's like the gopher in the background. Too good. Uh, that wasn't the only time I chunked T shot that that round. Only one I remember. Thank you. I think one of my other favorite holes was definitely sixteen. That was uh, the one where it's it's kind of like an uphill, slightly dog leg left. Yeah. Um, where it's the actual fairway landing spot, unless you're like bones and chunk it like five feet off the tee box. <laughs> After you wait for the green to clear. After you wait for the green to clear. You you can't see it at all. Um, yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Yeah. And then, you know, Tyler almost killed me there, which, you know, scarred me a little bit, but. Hell of a tee shot. It was, it was great. Great tee shot. shot. Great tee shot. I'm glad you got to end your round a little bit more on a higher note. Thank you. Uh, but like it was just such a, a cool hole, and it was also the hole where you got to see some of the the collapses. I think we watched Bradshaw putt from like the top of the green, and it just this a whole the worst putt I've ever seen. This steel trap, ridiculous line. This sounds like recency bias, but that is the worst putt <laughs> I have ever seen it, it, hit in it my didn't life. Come Wait within twenty five feet of the hole, Wait and for Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> and then just goes. All the way down to basically where he hit his approach shot from, like, and it was just the worst thing. But you got to see that, but then you also got to see, like, the cool, you know, using a, the back of the green kind of as a slope and coming back and all the funneling. I thought that goal was just really fun. This is the whole where Ken, <laughs> going back to when Ken almost didn't hit his own ball. You said something about Bradshaw, like, yeah, this is my ball until you find, like, another Callaway that's in a better. Oh, wait, that one's my ball. Listen to this story. So Ken's looking for his ball. What, was he hit it like a chip shot or something? That or? Well, Ken just hit out of the fairway bunker, and he caught it a little thin, and we knew it was headed up to the, the higher side of the green. Deep and right over the green. He's walking around back there trying to find it. I'm walking back there. I see one that's, like, buried in a bush. I'm like, Ken, here you go. He goes up to it, and it's, like, straight on a downhill slope, and he spends – I, he'll tell you it was 10 seconds, but it was no at less least than two, two minutes. minutes. I was yeah. going to say at least three minutes. Two so. minutes. And he's standing there trying to get his footing, figuring out how he's going to hit this shot. And we're standing there like with our hands on our hips. Like, is he ever going to hit this? He thing? asks us a couple questions. We're like, Ken, hit the damn ball. All of a sudden he backs and off. We're and we're the slow play guys. <laughs> All of a sudden he backs off and goes, Guys, this isn't my ball. <laughs> <laughs> was like, was he contemplating for that whole ten minutes whether he should tell us? If he it was, was fighting ball? some inner demons there. I think we, in, in hindsight, it's like, Ken, I don't really give a shit if it's your <laughs> ball. Just hit. <laughs> And then you, then you guys proceeded to look for his ball again on that hole, didn't you? Yeah, and I, did we find and it? Colin or? found that one, too. I, I found think. it, yeah. and then Ken, yeah, it wasn't his ball. Ken, Ken stood over it for two minutes and said, not my ball. <laughs> and then chipped it down into the fairway. Yeah. And I just remember, we're sitting on the next tee box. There's a little elevated. You can just watch that entire hole unfold. 
And we're like, what the hell? I thought they said Ken was playing really good today. And you just see him like up in the bushes for five minutes. He said at least two different times, yeah. like, guys, we can't give up yet. Like, yeah. we're going to keep looking. <laughs> <around>. It's <laughs> a career round. must have a career round going to be that, uh, that into it. So I had heard about, right, there being some extremely strong false fronts at Tobacco Road. Mm-hmm. And I think the first hole we played that had a big false front, uh, number nine. Oh, the drivable par four. Five. Five. Five, yeah, dude. Five had a big one. one. And I think nine is probably the most iconic one because that one is like, it literally will come back probably 130 yards if you come up short. Mm-hmm. For us, it was a back pin. So it didn't come into play quite so much. We might have had one of those occurrences. We didn't in our foursome, but we might have for our team or our whole entire group. But then we get to like, what are the other false fronts? Like number 16, right? That pin's that in the was... front and, and probably 50% of our group ended up succumbing to that false front. And that is... It's so much fun watching the ball going, stop, stop, stop. Oh, God. Even more fun when you're already on the green. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just horrible. Uh, we gotta. I think we got to speak to number 18 as well, that finishing uh-huh. hole with the giant sand wall in front of you. Like, I think that's one of the first holes you see when you're driving in. You see the tee box, and then you look around. You like, don't really know it's a hole yet. Yeah, and you're like, where? where is this one? Where are you supposed to drive this one? And the only opening you see is above this giant, literally this giant wall of sand. And it ends up being you have to drive over the sand, and then you have semi-blind second shot in that wraps around to the left. But that, I thought that was a really cool, cool finishing hole. Um, not only that tee shot, the visual, but then I thought that second shot was really tough. I actually hit one left that should have gone in the trees and went through the trees, and actually we ended up not being a bad shot because of how left that wrapped around. But I really enjoyed that finishing hole. Yeah, that that was maybe one of the tee shots I was most nervous standing over. Like this is the one like. You, you could be hitting the ball well all day, but if you hit it just like a little low and it just doesn't carry that and you're just stuck behind it, you know, similar to, I guess it was 11 where it had that big wall. You're like, I don't know how I'm getting out of this. Like, I think you're just done with that hole. It's almost unplayable if you don't carry, but it's still only actually like maybe 150 yards to carry. It wasn't even like that hard, but it's that little mind game playing that tee shot. And it was kind of tough, but fun. And it's not even really that tall technically. Like it yeah. looks pretty visually. Yeah. Intip- I think that's the best part about this course is that, you look at a hole and you're like, holy shit, like this looks tough. And then you kind of get up there and you're like, I have a lot oh. more room. I didn't need to freak myself out like that. So, like I said, it's a course a lot of people love to play the second time, I'm sure. Wasn't in the cards for us. Um, another defining feature that I wanted to shout out was the tee boxes. Like, not they didn't have the standard, like, colors, red, yellow, white, blue, black. They had instead, like, different symbols that I guess related to, like, Plowing tobacco field. <laughs> plowing equipment. Um, so we played what? The s- we played the, played the disc. disc, disc yeah. But like the back tees was, were called the ripper, which I thought was pretty sweet. Yeah. And, you know, that's talk about ways to grow the game and, and break people's mindsets of like, oh, I have to play this color tee or I can't play the reds or, you know, whatever the case may be. You're just playing whatever uh, – farming equipment is out there like it has nothing to do with you have no preconceived biases of like oh i can't play that tee so you know it makes it a lot more uh makes it a lot more open uh for everybody i think and i think from the tips the ripper so like 65 66, yeah something, something like that, that. Yeah. and we played from like 6400 so like it's not going to beat you up with distance and because most of the holes dog leg it plays even shorter if you're aggressive but it's a course that I think almost every golfer can play. It's just pretty obvious where you shouldn't hit it. So if you can avoid there, it really it's it's a course that you're gonna lose a couple strokes around the greens. Probably they get a little undulating, they can be a little difficult. But if you can just point and aim and not take on too much risk, it's a course that everyone can enjoy. 
We definitely could have played the Ripper. I was looking back on it. Yeah. The back nine, I didn't I didn't hit a driver after the 11th hole. I didn't hit any irons I mean, off the tee, so. <laughs> you and I must have had a different I approach. Hit, I hit a driver every <laughs> hole that wasn't a part of three. I, the clubhouse, though, was phenomenal. I wish we could have stayed there maybe a little longer, just like sat out and drank, because it was a great, like they have all the rocking chairs uh, just sitting out there where you can just watch the 18th as, you know, people are finishing. I mean, that is what he, was a, like a vibe in itself, like a very relaxed, just kind of everything that you don't expect from an elite golf course in like the more uppity kind of vibe of it, which I, I did really enjoy. Like, I, I would love to go back and be able to spend more time there. I would say other than the clientele, the place didn't really have an uppity vibe to it. It's just the yeah. people that are playing there. And I would say it was like us. Yeah. Yeah. But even us, like, we were, we're just drunk. <clears throat> we're not yeah. wearing like, you know, $500 like pants and did you see Colin's shoes? I mean, we have our own little, we have our own little icks, but yeah, <laughs> we're not exactly like spending thousand dollars on a whole entire golf outfit. But I would say that the course was extremely nice, but it was very modest, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's really hard to be unique and identifiable while also just being incredibly modest. Usually you got to kind of pick your, pick your poison, figure where you're going to be the best at anything. And it usually is going to make you stand out a little bit. This place just didn't need to do anything special. It just, everything was, the architecture is amazing. The vibe's amazing. Even the price point is, it's a little expensive, but I think it fits it so well. Yeah. And it's just the little things. Like we talked, I know the starter, I know the starter was like trying to push you guys along at one point because we were playing a little slow. But like, just like at the beginning, the guy that was, that started us, he probably talked to us for like, what, 25 minutes. We got there like five minutes before our tea time. So we got off late, but he just clearly like enjoyed being there, enjoyed like, working at this golf course and enjoyed talking to us about the course that we were about to play. And that just like right off the bat gave me a great feeling. Yeah. And then he was very passionate. And then the ranger that told you guys to slow down after or speed up, he came back to us and he was like telling us all like, all right, you want to hit this one 150 yards right at those silos over there. And it was like, it was did, great was we actually nice. all did it. It's yeah. like, we all hit good shots. Like, wow. Thank like, you. Hey, great shot. He's like, yeah, uh, that was a great shot. Have a great day. The, the, maybe the opposite experience. We <laughs> every time he told us, Oh, you want to go over here? It's like, yeah, I'm going for the green. The funniest <laughs> thing, so we ran into him. I agree everything with what you just said. And I, this is just funny from, from kind of how it came off, but that drivable par four, what, five? Five, yeah. So he pulls up and he joins up with us then to, like, talk to us. He's like, the play here is 200 yards to the right. And we're like, well, how far is it to carry? <laughs> He's like, probably 240, but you don't want to take that on. <laughs> 200 yards to the right. And I it's think literally Colin Tully and years. Thomas are both like, we're going to go right at <laughs> it. And he was almost, like, offended. He's like, He was not happy. The smart play is to the right. I didn't know we let idiots play here. <laughs> you don't want to take that on. <laughs> He's like, it's it's like a good 280 carry up to the green. We're like, okay. I saw yeah. W ball hit on the green there. Yeah. But I saw Bradshaw about 70 yards yeah. left in the trees. Yeah. So, <laughs> to some, like, to some it funny, like, it, nah, we're good. It was I like, <laughs> how good? It was Dub flew the green, like hit on the green, like went into the trees behind it. Ken, or not, sorry, Bones and I were in the bunker, just, you know, maybe 20 yards short, 30 yards short, something like that. Tough bunker. And then Bradshaw was. Agre- basically on seven at that point kind of thing like tennessee yeah he was he was practically back home in kentucky and <laughs> searching like, for his he, radiator he is down there searching for his ball on hole five like he's ken having the career round i do remember he taking was, forever he was in there for 15 minutes it felt well, like. he was he was so committed for some reason to like not I went, take a drop i went over to drop him off yeah like 
directly across in the fairway. It's like, no, I want to go up. I want to see where your ball ended up. And then I want to like walk back so I can see where the hole is <laughs> and everything. And like, you realize like you're hiking. Yeah. This isn't like, it's like, you also realize once you get up here, when you're done hitting, you can see where my ball <laughs> yeah. is. I'm hitting my putt for par on that hole. And all I can hear is, <sighs> get to the fucking green. It was a hike. It was just, cause he was down there forever walking around. And it was not a cold day. It was just like, what is going on right now? Oh, there were a couple holes that were dog leg rights and i just remember we couldn't quite see where you guys were at and we're just looking like trying to figure out what we're going to do and i think ben i don't think i can't remember exactly your wording but like man it would be so irresponsible to just go left on this hole <laughs> like and there there's was literally 200 yards left when it's dog leg right but now we know why it was there <laughs> and then, then we see bradshaw <laughs> and we're like oh my god and then i think ken proceeded to yank one yeah to left ken went to the same hole. exact spot uh, now it's turning into a shit on Bradshaw parade, but he almost fell over like three times when he was teeing off that aggressive swing. It was hard. I yeah. love that. I he love stepped that through baseball. He, yeah, swing. He, gets he, a lot of power. He did yeah, a couple he, drives he, yeah, close he, to me. He was piping was... him, but it was just some there, especially later in the round. He's going to maybe get a little tired. I legit thought he was going down. <laughs> and it was just like, just, just take a little off, bud. There's like part of me that always like, if someone asks me for a swing tip, I'm usually making sure they're swinging within their body control. But then, like, the devil side of me, when I see someone swing arm, I'm like, you fucking get it, buddy. <laughs> That's how you can do it, baby. Bradshaw, great guy, though. I hope his car's doing well. Very much so. We can tell. We can, we know why Dub likes him now. Great guy. Yeah, voted nicest guy at the BPO. I, that might have been Colin. I, I won that. I'm I voted sure for I myself. Like three votes on that one. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Georgia election system, see who won that one. <laughs> All right, let's move on now, right? What a wonderful time at Tobacco Road. You know, we didn't have any more golf planned for the weekend. We were kind of like, we should do something Saturday, but then Friday night came and Friday night went and we didn't have any plans and we're all way too hungover at this point to plan something. So we're just going to do like, you know, a college football Saturday. Hit up some bars. Beautiful day at Piners. You forgot to mention that Friday night we deleted literally 100. 100 Miller Lights. (laughs) We didn't have big plans for that night and we made, yeah, 100 100 Miller Lights in the the kitchen playing drinking games. So while watching Ryder Cup highlights. We did try calling the cradle. That was Every our plan. And we called the cradle about 12 solid. times. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful day, Pinehurst. <laughs> it's a beautiful day, Pinehurst. How, it's, oh, here we go. This is such a good story. Yeah. It's a beautiful day, Pinehurst. Can I get your name? Uh, yeah, it's Ben. Oh, hi, Ben. Uh, how can I help you? We're looking to make a reservation at the cradle, please. They go, uh, yeah, for what day? We're like, uh, for Saturday. Said, how many you got? I said, uh, eight, maybe nine. Okay. Okay, let me go. Let me check the tea sheet. Oh, looks like we're completely booked that day. It's like, okay, I'm so glad I told you how many people were at our party. And your name. And my name. And all this personal information for you to say, oh, now that I checked, there's actually not one single available spot on Saturday. But we end up at Pinehurst. Eventually, we go to a cool bar named Maxie's, get some wings and some beer and enjoy some college football. Looking for our next deleted spot. Deleted a lot of Miller Lights. Deleted a lot of Miller Lights. Looking for our next spot to hit up. Um... We're going to go back to Pinersburg or something like that. It's like, no, let's just go to Pinehurst. Let's go to the Deuce. Let's get some drinks, hang out at the Cradle. I don't think we had intentions of playing the Cradle. Or, we all had a little bit of like intent. It might happen intentions. For I sure. was pretty convinced we weren't getting on the Cradle after calling 12 times a day before. <laughs> but and, we show, and I called twice that day. <laughs> but we show up. They had built a new little bar on the Cradle that we knew about, now called the Cross Cradle Crossroad. Crossroad. And we sit there. We have some drinks. We chirp a lot of people on the Cradle. We're having fun. Go up to the clubhouse, and I think at this point we had sent about two groups to the starter shack for the for the cradle to say, "Hey, man, can you get us on?" Like just eight of us. We had been doing some recon with the bartender, and she's like, "Oh, you just got to go talk to Ed. He's Ed. such a nice guy. He'll do it. He'll let He'll you on." Yeah. So first group goes talks to Ed. Five minutes later, they come back, thumbs down. 
Second group, me and Colin. What about tomorrow morning? We'll Second group, me and Colin. Probably the most important group of this whole situation. Baffle. <laughs> we go over to Ed. Ed says, can't get you on today, but I can get you on tomorrow. I said, Ed, what do you got? He goes, he pulls out a scorecard. He goes, all right, we got two at 830, three at nine, and three at 945. Take that up right now. Run to the clubhouse <laughs> and tell them you got eight tee times available, but they're kind of spread out. They need to squeeze in two foursomes. Colin and I. Briskly, we briskly walk up to the clubhouse. <laughs> they talk to the head pro because it's like a T-sheet thing where it's like not anybody can make the decision. And the guy, Andrew, goes, yeah, it looks like Ed hasn't refreshed his screen since like Wednesday. We don't have anything left for Saturday. <laughs> we're like, God damn it. Like, we keep getting our hopes up. I think we're going to play the cradle. I don't know. Half an hour goes by. looks like a big storm's rolling in. Lots Huge of people, storm. they blow a big old horn, everyone off the course. It wasn't It wasn't off the course. The, the rules, it was, hey, there's a storm in the area. Listen for the next horn. Is that because I was talking to the bartender? And she well, was like, I, it yeah. is clearly it, the rule that they, they was on all like the sheets and everything. It was one horn just means, hey, heads up, there's a storm in the area. We're going to let you know if you need to come off. Well, at this point, I have to mention that Ben was getting on Bradshaw the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and like, pitch black clouds are rolling in. And Bradshaw goes, oh, man, we're about to get dunked on. And Ben goes, Oh, are you a meteorologist now? <laughs> this is going to blow right over. And what do you know? It didn't rain that much. Exactly my point. What are you trying it to show? It rain. So long story short is right. The rain's coming in. Pretty much everybody evacuates the premises. There's maybe only one group left on the cradle. It starts raining a good bit, a little sideways for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then it kind of slows down to this very manageable, still like raining, but not that bad. And our boy Ed, under the table, very like black market style says, Slip me a hundred bucks, I'll get you boys on. We see slips us a hundred bucks. Well, no, 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 yeah. no. There's nothing under the table about it. It was all above. It's all above water. It's all above water. It's not even his real name. Sorry. <laughs> Don't know who you're talking about, anyways. Yeah, at this point, I think we've all pretty much given up. I think some people had gone into like the pro shop or whatever. You tell like Ken walking down. We're, going, there. we're like, we're we gonna, just, we'll just start smoothing them. Let's just try one just more break time. Break this guy down. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, man, I bet you really backed the shit out of that ball back in the day, huh? Yeah, it was like, oh, how many times you play? You got any hole in ones out here? You know? He's like, oh, I don't play too much. He you know, broke his hip or whatever it was. I forget what his injury was. He's like, but I'll go out all the time. Elbow. With big groups, I'll, I'll go out to that first tee, and I'll, I'll show them how it's done. I'll, I'll hit a couple balls out there. And then like he goes back in. We're waiting for you guys to come back. And, <laughs> and he just comes back out of his little yeah, hut so there and goes, all right, I'll get you on, boys. <laughs> you sure you want to go out and play in that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All there right. wasn't even there was no second guessing from our group. <laughs> However, we got the favorable side of the draw there. It could have like absolutely dumped on us. It, it rained enough where we were wet, but you could you could see clubs weren't super slippery. It wasn't that bad. We were also like eight nine hours into drinking, so we didn't really care anymore. <laughs> it might have rained a lot now that I think <laughs> yeah. about it. Wait, it was raining. <laughs> yeah. Walking up to that first sea, my mindset was literally as long as I don't get struck by lightning, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and we didn't, and it was. Yep. So, again, we played nine holes. Pretty much the last hole is pretty much in the dark, so we didn't get a chance to play it again. That's kind of what everyone hopes for is to go pay 50 bucks to play the cradle, and you get to play it three or four times. We only got to play it once, but I would say three or four guys in the group had never played it before, so it was their first time. An unforgettable experience. I mean, just the whole idea that there's no chance we were going to get on that course Friday or Saturday. We linger around, we sweet talk a few people, and we get on when it's pouring down rain. Unbelievable. The story. bartender was so happy for us when we got up like yeah. through hole three. She was like, "You guys did it!" So, and then we ordered like forty transfusions for the next six holes. Someone asked her like what her thoughts are about like the proper restaurant back in the the big the big clubhouse, and she's like, she kind of doesn't react. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, they don't get along. <laughs> it's like they have like two different. It's like, <laughs> so good.
But yeah, so that wraps up our golfing experience for that weekend. Anything else, boys? I mean, yeah, any of these the, bars uh, we went to? The uh, the story coming out Sunday that I don't think anybody's actually heard. So obviously Thomas had a lot of work done on his car, and he still wasn't certain that the problem was solved. So he starts driving home and then realizes he's not going to make it. So what he has to do is Like go, his car or him? His, well, yeah, probably both. <laughs> so he has to find a dealership in Raleigh-Durham to drop his car off. That's like literally an hour to away. To get it worked on. <laughs> then fortunately, we have a, a college roommate who lives there, so he went and visited him. And then he knew the car wasn't going to be ready, but he had to be at work the next day. So he has to fly. He has to buy a plane ticket from Raleigh-Durham oh, no. oh my God. Sunday afternoon. <laughs> And there's no direct flights back to Louisville, so he had to fly <laughs> through Charlotte. So basically, five six hours on a red airplane. eye. And uh, he joked with me. He's like, "Yeah, I'm going to fly back down there next week. I might even play Tobacco Road again when I come back." <laughs> but oh uh, you know, just just the sheer fact, it would have been cheaper to, for him to fly to like Ireland for a 14 day golf adventure. By the time it's all said and done, and he gets his car worked, we out. told him just buy a new car. I think he should just leave there. that car in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so a really tough trip on the old uh, <laughs> Tommy boy, the there. old Bradshaw. <laughs> what did he spend the last like two hours of his trip there, just going forty miles an hour down the highway? <laughs> oh, that must have been brutal. How about some of these bars we visited? Maxie's was dope. Hickory Tavern was dope. That was our Thursday night activity: watching the Lions game, watching the Chiefs get their ass beat. Mm. <laughs> had some good nachos. Nice good nachos. nachos. I thought. I thought the Maxie's best espresso was... martini anyone's ever had. Oh was, my god! You know, I'm done. Done. I'm done with shitting on Bradshaw. So we're gonna have to move on here. <laughs> this is that's more the bartender. Yeah, that one's not shitting on Bradshaw. Well, I mean, he shouldn't have ordered an espresso <laughs> martini. Espresso <laughs> martini is a questionable first drink for him. Yeah, a long drive. He literally day. gave us dishwater, and then <laughs> we were passing around drinking it like it was Try some it. fancy Try cocktail. It. <laughs> the look on everyone's face after they drank that. How about Maxie's, man? That was like a little rundown, kind of hole-in-the-wall sports bar. I didn't have very high expectations rolling up, thinking, oh, God, what a dub pick for us. <laughs> what a great place. Food Beers, was great. $10 oh. pitchers. Like, food was great. We had 100 TVs. I got a barbecue plate, and it was like a pound and a half of barbecue, and it was great. I'm, like, trying to shovel it off on everybody else. It's like, please try this. It's like, one, I'm not going to eat it all. Two, I was like, this is awesome. Like, why am I getting this here? Like, this is way better than this locale should be. Yeah, it was the perfect place because that was definitely, like, a slow start for us that morning. Like, we were like, we, oh, yeah. We, we did not know what we were going to be doing that day. And we just go in. We're like, all right, I guess we're just going to start pounding the pitchers, watching the college football. Only downside was we couldn't figure out what, whatever that sports betting machine that was over there. Like, it was like pick a roster or something. But it was like that perfect, like, all right, let's get the juices back up and, you know, then let into the, the fun piner stuff. And you can tell that that's a great spot because that was clearly where, like, the locals go. Yeah, I mean, it was compared, definitely a hidden gem. Compared to the night before, I think we were at Pinehurst Brewing, which was also really nice. It was delicious. They had really good food, good beer. Well, like you could tell that that's where like everyone that was staying at the resort the, was yeah. kind of going. They were all kind of dressed up pretty nice. They had a live music going on there. This place, you just walk in and there's like ten guys at the bar that looks like they've been there every single in day. Jorts, <laughs> jorts, yeah. and cutoff tees. And then we order the pitchers, and the guy goes, "That's uh, the guy behind the bar giving you beers. That's the owner." And it's like, wow, <laughs> just like out of the blue, like a pretty big bar. This guy's just working at. And he was making transfusions from scratch. We talked about the uh, the mixers and stuff, but he was, I mean, he was getting. Grape juice, ginger ale, like making it, mixing it himself, and I don't know how many of those we drank. That <laughs> that was a Saturday special, six dollar transfusion. Had to be at least a triple, like in oh a full pint God. glass. I mean, they were some strong <laughs> drinks. So yeah, I mean, definitely 
probably one of the best surprises of the trip was showing up and we pulled up there and you all went somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, we thought we were going to, uh, Southern, Southern Pines. Pines and I'm like, Oh, we pulled up. It's like, Oh, this place looks small. Like we're not gonna be able to find seats. This is probably a bad idea. Then we put, we got in there. It's a little busy and you guys yeah. are kind of catty cornered on two, four seater tables. And we're like, this is not going to work. And then all of a sudden big long table in the corner opens up Surrounded $10 like three pictures. Or four TVs. Was perfect. Got, got a little out of my comfort zone there and got some wings. That was, I mean, <laughs> their wings were really good too. Over under 71 wings that you ate this past. I, exactly 71. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't quite finish the the, the play no, that no, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings dozen in one. <laughs> yeah, we got another twelve on the road on the way home. Uh, that is one of my favorite stories. You know, everyone's slow getting out of bed the next morning. Naturally, on that long ride home, and the car of Ben, Tyler, Dub, and Bro- Bones decided to just stop at Buffalo Wild Wings two hours into the ride, and just like, yeah, we'll just watch football. I was kind of like, you know, whatever. Like, it's a long drive, breaking it up a little bit. But, like, Bones wanted to stay longer. He was Bones selling is, it. Like, we were was, all like, eh, I'd, I'd rather just get He was the biggest like, proponent of on, stopping. Boys. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to be there for a <laughs> week. On, How long into the trip did you stop? About three hours. Right in the middle, pretty yeah, much. we right stopped right there at right as the game 1 started. o'clock, yeah. like, kickoff. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm sad to miss those first Sunday's games, but it's not going to kill me if I just have to look at my phone every 15 minutes to see fantasy updates. But Bones was like, we we got to go. Guys, I, we got to go. I'm scared about what's waiting for me at home. <laughs> and and what, a, what a slate of games. I mean, I don't think we saw a touchdown for the first half hour no. we were there. And it's like, well, this is a dumpster We were fire. there for half an hour. I, I can vouch for that. Ken and I were watching Red Zone on his laptop yeah. using a you know, phone as a hotspot. And it was the dullest Red Zone I've ever seen. I don't know what happened first, a touchdown or me getting my sweet tea. I was, I was sitting there thirsty. <laughs> Well, so I was, took, I was a little late to the table. Well, I had taken Tyler a while to get his drink, and then maybe 20 minutes after we ordered, the girl comes over and, just, and says, just wanted to let you know I did put your order in. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, did she just put it in? Because if so, we're not getting out of here for like another hour. But it came like five minutes after, thank God. All in all, though, awesome trip. Great way to uh, kind of be sent off here. And uh, it turned out really well. Had yeah. a lot of fortunate events. Things went our way for sure. Drank enough beer for probably last us a couple months, but uh, cheers to that. And I'm here sure we we'll are again this weekend <laughs> when the girls are at the bachelorette party. But uh, you know, big shout out to everybody coming and uh, especially Bradshaw putting it all together. Thanks for having us, Dubby. Love you, Dub. Love, Love you, Bradshaw. <clears throat> yeah, Bradshaw, shout out to you, bud. That's a lot yes, of planning. As much as Hopefully we're giving you, you a hard to the time. end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we love you, kid. Wait, uh, his name's Thomas. We were protecting his identity. <laughs> he stopped listening 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, that does it for us here. A wonderful weekend at Tobacco Road and the Cradle down in Pinehurst. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, the extra sponsoring this. No, I'm just kidding. But thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. We'll see you next week.